Oh, commissioner. That's what you are, Bob. You're the commissioner. Oh, okay. The commissioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the cocktail commissioner. Cocktail commissioner. Yeah, that's a good title. This is the theme song at the start of the show. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Gonna watch a movie, got a thousand more to go. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore. And since I started singing, they already added more. So stop wasting time on the theme song. Just tell us the name of the show. Hey, what's up? It's called The Podcast for Tennis Shoes. And, uh, next. <laughs> what a terrible name for the show. It's worse than the theme song. Hello, and welcome to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,804 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean, and I am here with my two co-hosts, Rob and Bob. And Rob, how are you doing this week, man? I am doing quite well, Sean. Thanks for asking. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I've been doing Dry January, and we are doing a drinking game tonight. So, uh... I've been uh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, you know, uh, I might be in for a bit of a uh, a treat tomorrow, a bit of a hangover, but uh, I am I'm doing quite well. I, I, this has been on the books for a couple of weeks now, and I'm looking forward. to you it. You made it 28 days into January before we completely ruined your dry January. We are a very bad influence on you, Rob. I shouldn't say that because last night I watched Cocktail and I had to have a drink uh, while watching oh. it because so this of, was a lie. Uh, dry January film. was a lie. <laughs> Look, cocktail, the movie cocktail drove me to drink, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's the episode right there. We're done. <laughs> that's the review. Although I do have to say, you're looking very dapper today, Rob. What, what is what is with this outfit? Describe oh, thank your you outfit very much. for the people. Actually, Bob, describe Rob's outfit for the people. Rob is coming to you tonight dressed in the attire of one Mike Flanagan himself. The rolled up sleeves, the somewhat pop Flanagan. collar, the tie tucked into the shirt for whatever reason the choice that was i uh, i assumed it was because uh it, it's uh brian flanagan uh he uh he he can't have his tie in the way while he's doing all that flair bartending so he has to tuck it into his shirt why he's wearing a tie i have no idea because there's no dress code at that bar i just want to be clear that robbie put on a costume to be in a podcast yes bob how are you doing this week you know i was doing pretty good and then i had to watch cocktail but i've recovered since then okay good enough to act as our cocktail commissioner for the evening uh as the sober or teetotaler of the podcast as you like to call me um i have no other choice as we've alluded to people today we're talking about cocktail john oh. how are you doing Ooh, thank you rob well, I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, I have a lot of fancy new drinks that I'm going to be trying for the very first time, and we're going to see which one of them makes me vomit on my... <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't get a bucket. I honestly thought of that. I was going to get me a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll stop the podcast while Rob gets a vomit bucket. Um, great content. This is for the families, this episode. Yeah. As we've alluded to, people, we are doing a drinking game for our episode talking about Tom Cruise's cocktail 1988's cocktail and as with any good drinking game we have a series of rules for when we have to drink and uh those rules are in the hands of our co-host bob many of which were submitted by fan of the show zach so bob can you maybe read out some of these rules that we're gonna have to be following today i can definitely read out some of these rules to the podcast or perhaps coglin's laws 
as they should be known for this game. Coughlin's laws. Are you going to say that before every single rule <laughs> in the Australian accent? You've now committed yourself to this. Coughlin's law number one. When someone says, we'll get to that later or some variation of that, we shall take a drink. Coughlin's law number two. Somebody look something up mid-recording, whether it be IMDb, Google, Wikipedia, or any of the like, we will take a drink. Coughlin's law number three. Okay. If there are no new reviews, we will drink. Uh-oh. That's kind of like a backhanded thing there, because uh, it seems like the average of most episodes, there are no Uh-oh. no new reviews. All right, keep going. Coughlin's law number four. Somebody says, edit this out later, or you can cut this out. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of that tonight. Coughlin's law number five. Anytime Scientology gets mentioned. That will be by us, not in the film, obviously. <laughs> Coughlin's law number six. Anytime Robbie purposely mispronounces an actor or a character's name. I would edit this rule personally and just say anytime Robbie mispronounces an actor or a character's name, because he won't be doing it on purpose. It's just the charm that is Rob. I was wondering, for clarification on this one, and maybe we should have asked uh, Zach ahead of time here, but, like, is this... You know how I was calling Chris, uh, not, okay, I was calling Chris O'Donnell, Chris O'Donnell, but I was also calling him Chrissy O'D. Would that count? I don't think Chrissy O'D is mispronouncing somebody's name. I would call that a nickname. All right. Yeah. I got it. If I just mess up the pronunciation of Tom Cruise. All right. <laughs> Coughlin's law number seven. If Sean leaves during the recording. By this next one, you guys are already blackout drunk because Coughlin's law number eight. Right. If Bobby does an impression or an accent. Oh, fuck. Oh, why I did I do that? That's what I said. <laughs> no. I already forgot what the rules were before no, we no, started no. recording. As is the rules with things, you read the rules before the game starts. I am at number nine. When we get down to the bottom of the list, the rules will take place. So anything okay. pre this is safe. Okay. Okay. But I do want you to keep saying that in the accent. I'm so torn. <laughs> Coleman's law number nine. Anytime we play spot the racism or spot the sexism. All right. That one's going to be very difficult given the... Yes. ...subject of this movie. Probably. Coleman's law number 10. Anytime we make a Simpsons reference. Coleman's law... Are we 11 or 12? <laughs> 11. We're 11? A levy, as they say in Australia. Anytime Sean says presumably, mm-hmm. a drink will be taken. Coleman's law number 12. Anytime Bobby says, assumably, <laughs> Coughlin's Law number 13, anytime Torch Talk, Border in the Background is mentioned, take a drink. Number 14, anytime Rob has a funny joke. <laughs> Again, that seems like a kind of backhanded comment there. It, 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 it doesn't seem, it is. And last but not least, Coughlin's Law number 15, anytime Sean audibly sighs. That is all 15 rules of the yeah. game read. The game starts now. Starts now. Okay, so that means I have to pour my first I drink. Already, uh, I already poured myself one. Where's my cup? Pre, uh, pre-starting. Uh, so uh, Sean's going to well, make himself. Well, I don't know the ingredients, so you have to tell me how to... You have to tell me how to do this. First of all, this is what I'm going to be drinking out of. It's a coffee mug. This is Cat Mom. <laughs> That's awesome. A coffee mug that says Cat Mom. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be starting with the signature Gordon Bombay drink invented by Rob during our D2 The Mighty Ducks episode. The ingredients are, Rob, what are they? Uh, it is Gordon's Bombay, Saf- uh, Bombay Sapphire uh, gin. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> You already mispronounced something. It's not a character or an actor's name. It was the name of a drink. Oh, no. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the name of something. Bombay Sapphire. Okay. Uh, and then, okay. so you got one of those. How much Bombay Sapphire? Uh, an ounce of that. Okay, so I don't have a shot glass or an ounce measurement. <laughs> she didn't bring a jigger. So what I have, <laughs> what I have are, are, are baking measurement spoons. <laughs> so an ounce. For one ounce? Are you doing like metric conversions? <laughs> 
Uh, an ounce is half of a quarter cup. So I'm going to put in half of this quarter cup, <laughs> an ounce of Gordon Bombay's. How much? And so what's the next ingredient, Rob? It is the uh, Gordon's Sicilian lemon gin. And how much of that? Uh, it is uh, an ounce. Well, I know what to get you for your birthday. A, a, a shot glass. <laughs> All right. And then... Lime. And tonic water. Yes. So this is Fever Tree Elderflower Tonic All Water. All right. You might want to put some ice in your glass first before you add the... The how much the whole glass? Yeah, don't 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 use it all. Like I have a little bit. You could probably make two out. Oh, okay, you could probably make two out. All right, give it a little stir and tell me how you like it. Cheers, cheers. Oh, that's pleasant. That's quite pleasant. I like that. See. I That's told very you. flavorful. I do like this Gordon Bombay. You've invented a nice drink, Rob. All right, so then we have to do another one because you mispronounced the name of your own drink. If anyone is at all interested in my line of life, Sparkmouth, which is a company out of Vancouver, makes mocktails. I've been enjoying them. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm not a child and have to drink, like, soda every time I want to have something tasting nice. So I will be starting off with an alcohol-free mocktail that is a Moscow Mule. Ooh, very nice. And we have a surprise about midway through this uh, movie for another drink later on. I don't know if I'm going to have the ingredients for that one, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, uh, we'll get to that later. Damn it! <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Another drink. <laughs> oh, mm. fuck. Bobby, how does this movie start? This movie opened with, I actually forgot, I thought for some reason this was a Fox movie. I didn't realize this was actually a Touchstone picture, so this is actually a Disney movie. Yeah. yeah. Which took me for a surprise. Um, So it starts off with... A bus full of people leaving and took me a while to figure out what it was, but realizing it is being pursued by a car of military police flagging it down. And I don't was trying yeah. to figure out what the purpose of this scene is or what was going on. If there's like someone on interest or someone who's going AWOL on the bus. No, it is just some abuse of power to make sure that the guy who missed the bus can get on the bus. Yeah. Thus ensuring that. Absolutely. Right, delaying everybody. Mm-hmm. Delaying everybody to where they need to go and ensuring that you are without a doubt the most hated person on the bus that nobody's giving up a seat for. For the average man, perhaps. Yeah. The non-Scientologist. Oops. Sh- don't do it on purpose, Sean. Before we get to this, I wanted to say I actually was digging the, uh, the like, the actual title cards. I, I liked the aesthetic. I liked the neon. I know they were just, like, drawn mm-hmm. pictures because it's the 80s and they didn't really have CGI or anything, obviously. But uh, the, the the drawn neon signs for all the title cards and the, the actors' names, I dug them. They didn't have CGI, but they did have TGI. Fridays. <laughs> which we're going to get to. That's good. <laughs> also, I said, which we're going to get to again, so we got to take another drink. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, I did like uh, how, I, what's his name? I should have actually written it down here because I knew these rules ahead of time. Uh, Brian Brown, is that? Yep. The Australian gentleman? Yep. Brian Brown uh, is second build, and Elizabeth Shoe, I wrote down third shoe. <laughs> uh, so she was billed uh, third on this. Was that a laugh, Bob? Did you laugh at a Rob joke? I chuckled. Okay, doesn't count. Yeah. It wasn't funny enough. All right. It wasn't funny enough. Uh, what was the one title card here? It was uh, Cocktail Album Supervised by yeah, Carol Childs. I saw that too. What was that? She's a record executive, and this album was a major element of the marketing push of this movie. The Beach Boys song was coordinated for this movie. The album 
sold a shit ton of copies and was a huge success. So I am not surprised at all that she got a credit in the opening credits. It kind of reminds me of, Bob, you might know the name I'm thinking of, the guy who um, produced the Coen Brothers albums for Oh Brother Where Art Thou and Inside Lewin Davis. Is it T-Bone Pickens or something? That sounds, that does sound right. And I know that's a similar situation. Unfortunately, I think I have to look it up. This is, we're going to have to drink. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> but, I, I mean, that's another type of case where that the soundtrack for that movie, as much as I actually just rewatched Oh Brother, we're out there about a year ago, and the movie's still fun and holds up. I didn't realize that the album, like, the soundtrack to that movie was more successful than the film and, like, sold so many copies. Oh, much more. Oh, I was super close. It's T-Bone Burnett. T-Bone Burnett. I said T-Bone okay. Pickens, which I think is a different guy. I was going to say that, like, legitimately. I just didn't want to make us drink. <laughs> there is a sequel to that soundtrack called Oh Sister, Where Art Thou? I had the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. I listened to it all the time when it came out. Um, it's an amazing soundtrack. I don't know if I ever listened to this sister soundtrack. I should listen to it. Yeah. I think T-Bone Burnett got a credit... I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the opening credits as well, uh, just because he had a certain yeah. amount of pedigree, expertise, and they kind of knew that he was bringing in a lot of skill into making the soundtrack. And I think the same thing goes for this movie. It's not the same quality of soundtrack, in my opinion, for the kind of music I listen to, but you can't argue with success. It was a hugely successful soundtrack. I actually, I didn't actually know that this song was, like, the song Kokomo was released specifically for this film. Uh, yeah, me neither. Sean and I have discussed it in the past, but our only reference for the song is the Muppets version of the music video. <laughs> I liked the song when I was a kid because my only reference was the Muppets version of the music video. I thought it was a Muppets song for the longest time. It, sh- it should be. A, when, when it's a Muppets <laughs> song, you kind of forget it. Um, it's funny, I was chatting with a co-worker of mine the other day. He's like, how was your night last night and you forgive it it's so <laughs> fucking dumb it's a dumb you song. forgive it because you're like oh well it's muppets and they're purposely singing the goofiest fucking dumb song they can think of yeah but it's a huge hit by the beach boys it's not really the beach boys though brian wilson wasn't involved it's based on like a line from another song apparently yeah it's like mike love and carl wilson are the only and it's mike love carl wilson and Uncle Joey or Danny Tanner. What's who's the drummer in the Beach Boys when they were in Kokomo? It's um, Stamos. Stamos. John Stamos was the drummer. Rob, you're muted. Oh, sorry. I thought I wasn't unmuted. I was said I was yelling Stamos. Stamos. At you through a mouthful of pizza. Luckily, that's not a Simpsons reference. That's yeah, a the Clone, Clone High reference. reference. The other thing we reference constantly, though, maybe mm-hmm. the first time we referenced it on this podcast. Do you see the pool? They've, They've lit the, the bitch. bitch. His frame of reference, and he said, how was your night? I said, I watched Cocktail. He was like, oh, that fucking awful Beach Boys song? And he's older. He's in his 50s. And yeah, he yeah. was like, <laughs> oh, he's like, I never even saw that movie, and I knew not to see it because I hated that song so much. He was like, in fact, play it. Play it for these other people. They need to know how bad this song is. And I, so I played the Muppets version, and he was like, no, not the Muppets version, the real one, the bad one. <laughs> Not the good one. I mean, I've just heard that on the radio a few times. Like, I don't know. I never really had any reference for it. I couldn't even tell you the lyrics. It was a number one hit. Kokomo was a number one hit for the Beach Boys. It was their first hit since yeah. um, Good Vibrations. Wow. But uh, it's not nearly as good as Good Vibrations because Good Vibrations is a masterpiece. One of the greatest songs of all time. And Kokomo is one of the worst. <laughs> they went to both poles, that band. <laughs> Talking about this opening scene. So just to recount what Bobby said, the movie opens with a greyhound and it is being pursued by a car with a siren. And it appears to be a police vehicle of some sort. And then as the car approaches the bus, Tom Cruise gets out the top and he starts screaming, pull over, pull over. And you realize that they're trying to force the greyhound off the road. 
when they do force the Greyhound off the road, Tom Cruise and a bunch of his army buddies get out of the car. They all like high five. Tom Cruise gets in the bus and then they drive off, which means they like commandeered this police slash security vehicle of some sort just to get Tom Cruise on the bus because he fucking slept in and missed his bus. Here's the thing. I love this opening. I think this is a very well-written opening yep. because it gives so much character information solely through action. And it's dynamic action. It's a car chasing a greyhound and they push pull it over on the side of the road. And yet you learn so much about Tom Cruise. You learn, number one, he is a fucking jackass who will make everyone else late because he can't get his own life together. And number two, he is a thrill seeker who is addicted to adrenaline and excitement, much like Tom Cruise himself, who jumps onto the roof of a car to push a greyhound over to to force it off of the road. He's just loving every moment of it. He's gritting like a fucking Tom Cruise idiot. Number three, he can somehow convince anyone of anything. He's like commandeered a police vehicle to do this out of his own charm and number four everyone fucking loves him when he gets out of the car his army buddies are like we love you tom cruise go get him we fucking love you man and they're like high-fiving him and they're like go make a million dollars you're the best and then he gets on the bus and in one scene you're like i fucking know exactly who this guy is who is he He's Tom Cruise. Yeah. He's just playing himself. Yeah. But I think it's a great opening. I think if you're going to write a script, that's how you do it. You have solely action, and yet you tell so much about the character. I think it's great. (laughs) Talking writing, this is is Haywood Gould. Was that the name of the writer? Yeah. Haywood Gould, he wrote the screenplay based on his own book. Yeah, that's right. The book came out like two years beforehand, and then he just like went straight to writing the screenplay. Like, it it got optioned really damn fast. (laughs) Not quite uh, Michael Crichton levels of like turnaround, but like that's really cool quickly for this for this story like this is a bullshit story absolutely right there's nothing in this fucking movie it's not like dinosaurs come back you can't pitch (laughs) this movie because it's both incoherent and dumb but um two things to it i haven't read the book by haywood gould but i have read reviews and interviews and descriptions that say it's still very different from this movie and so it could be quite engaging and have a much more interesting cohesive story uh, the other thing is that he had already broken into Hollywood. He was a scriptwriter. Okay. He had already written about two or three films before this movie got optioned. And Cocktail, the book, came out after he had already sold a couple scripts. And it was a somewhat semi-autobiographical story about his life before he broke into Hollywood being a bartender. But yeah, so he already had connections. And that's why, like, once you know people, once you kind of have an agent and you kind of have the end yeah. and you can shop this stuff around. And so I'm not surprised it got optioned really quickly. Imagine that pitch meeting. He's just like, I used to be a bartender. Sure. Good. Let's do it. (laughs) Like, that's the entirety of the story. Bob, you mentioned (laughs) that this movie was not a Fox film. It was actually a Disney film. It was released under under their adult touchstone label. If you had read a lot of the interviews about the people involved with it, that shouldn't that wouldn't be such a surprise because a lot of the interviews were like, this movie would have been way better if Disney hadn't fucked it up. A lot of interviews at the time actually said, oh, this movie just totally butchers the book. It's not nearly as good as the book. And Haywood Gould is like, I wrote both (laughs) and apparently what it was was that disney changed a lot of the scripts to 
turn it into something that they thought they could market based on Tom Cruise's star power. Because the original script was a satire on Reagan capitalism. It was much more about the darkness of trying to make a million dollars overnight and how that can like corrupt a person. And um, Brian Brown said the original script that he read was one of the best scripts that he's ever read. But once Tom Cruise got on board and he was like, I love this script. I'm going to be the lead. Also, the lead is younger. Also, he's handsome. Also, he bangs a millionaire chick. No, make that five millionaire chicks. <laughs> Disney was like, just do whatever he says. This is insane because Tom Cruise is like been in five films before this. Yeah, they but they were massive. But one of them was Top Gun. Yeah. Top Gun come, came out after this. No, it didn't. I'm looking it up. You guys got a drink. I'm looking it up too. Fine. But it did not come out after this. 86. Sean's right. This is 88. Oh, 88. Yep. Shit, what was I thinking of then? You were thinking of Mission Impossible 5. (laughs) Yeah, that, yes. You're right, Sean. I was thinking of Mission Impossible 5. (laughs) That it came out before (laughs) Cocktail. Yeah, Rogue Nation. That's the movie you were thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Okay, but here here are the list of movies leading up to this film. You've got The Outsiders, which is a small role in. Fun just tangent, if you watch The Outsiders, fucking every star of the 80s and 90s is in that movie at some point. It's unreal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Following The Outsiders is Risky Business. That was his big hit. Yeah. I mean, that was where he broke out and he was a celebrity. Uh, then right after that, you've got All the Right Moves. Uh, the year the following that, you have 1985, he was in Legend. That actually didn't do well. That was his, like, that was his sophomore slump. And then it goes Top Gun, College. Color of Money cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Color of Money. Sequel to The Hustler, right? Yeah. Starring Paul Newman, directed by Martin Scorsese. Come on. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did one of us mispronounce that? Let's drink. (laughs) It's Martin Scorsese or Scorsese. Let's just just cover that one. Color of Money is also on Disney+. Plus. We might have to get to that sometime. At any rate, Tom Cruise was a huge star. Yeah, no, that's fair. He actually did Rain Man and Cocktail in the same year. One won Best Picture, the other one... No, one was nominated for Best Picture, the other one was nominated for Worst Picture at the Razzies. (laughs) I think we know which one that is. (laughs) I'll keep it a secret. Clickbait! Tune in next week, I'll tell you the answer. This is how we get viewers coming back. I was gonna say, he gets on the bus, and in the real world, everybody would be like, who the fuck is this fucking asshole? I'm late now, like, did he really just abuse the military to the fullest extent of his power, just so like he could make a bus he should have got on like 10 miles back but no because he's tom cruise he's everybody's best friend he's like making friends with everyone he's kissing babies it's the fucking weirdest thing he like adopted a baby on the bus it's the most insane (laughs) thing this is what i'm talking about it cuts to him as they're approaching new york and a woman has trusted this stranger with her baby that he is now raising because she was like please raise my child for me this is how insanely charming and so sociopathic Tom Cruise is, and the character is based on that. Yeah, the opposite of Dennis Quaid in Enemy Mine. Never let near a baby, and this one, four seconds on a bus, Tom Cruise is adopting a yeah, baby. four seconds on a bus, and this woman is like, please, yeah. have my baby. You will do a better job with this baby. Um, uh, I wrote down a note here, and I said, he, the, the bus said New York, and I honestly said, I thought this movie took place in, like, Florida or something. Like, I had no idea where this movie took place. Let's take a, let's take a gander at what Disney Plus describes the plot of this movie as. Shit, shit, shit. We didn't do our famous segment. Uh, that's Uh-oh. true. You you have missed the, if you want to play by the rules as submitted, if someone needs to check if there's reviews. All right. Well, uh, so what's the name of the segment called, Rob? Did anybody write a review this week? Let's take a look. Let's take a peek. Did anybody write a review this week? 
Ding. And before you stop, you need to drink because he's looking it up. Ding. <laughs> mm. Ah, that's good. And uh, as far as I can tell, there are no new reviews on uh, iTunes. Which means... Take a drink. You gotta drink. Take a drink. Mm. Ah, that's good stuff. I was about to say, Sean, you're not so much taking drinks as you are swigs. Like, this is gonna Uh, go... Yeah, I'll have to tone it down, but this it's a pretty tasty drink. You've invented a good drink, Rob. I'm so glad you like it, because when I I made it for our D2 episode, I was, like, entirely shocked, because I don't like gin and tonics, and I was like... Man, this is delicious. I ended up drinking four of them before noon, uh, and that's the reason why. And now I've got someone else to uh, to second my opinion. All right, so here's how Disney Plus describes the plot of Cocktail. A young, ambitious New York bartender becomes the toast of Manhattan's Upper East Side. But when he moves to Jamaica and finds true love, he gains a new perspective on his life. The Jamaica element of this is central <laughs> in how it is pitched. The Kokomo song was how this movie was marketed. It's about serving cocktails in the Caribbean. It is both 15 minutes long and irrelevant to the plot. Yeah. This movie really doesn't have anything to do with it. No, besides the fact that uh, Tom Cruise had sex with Elizabeth Shue uh, in a waterfall. That's... But she's from New York. It doesn't have anything no, to do with the plot. I know. I know. They could have had sex in New York. Yeah. All the women he has sex with live in New York. <laughs> Moving on. Tom Cruise has adopted a baby, but somehow then that baby disappears as soon as he's off the bus. At this point in time, I was watching this movie with my wife last night. And uh, and the scene where he's on the bus, they have the montage. Uh, my wife just let out an exasperated sigh and said, Ugh, this is the era of the Tom Cruise unibrow. I don't know if I can watch this. He has a unibrow? Throughout the entire 80s, Tom Cruise has a unibrow. Um, he doesn't Sean, I'm following lose your eyes. the unibrow until Mission Impossible. I'm following your eyes. You're looking that up, aren't you? <laughs> God damn it, Tommy! He's looking at pictures. <laughs> Take a drink. You caught me. I was googling Tom Cruise unibrow. Okay, wow. There's a lot of photos of people accentuating his unibrow by just drawing hair between his two brows. <laughs> All right, so Tom Cruise, uh, after briefly adopting a baby and then deciding he didn't want a baby, see, I keep making these jokes, and I guess maybe people won't understand. He just he like had a baby for some reason on the bus. It just cuts to him, and he just has this woman's baby, and he's, like, talking to it, and he's, like, raising it. He's just, like, teaching it lessons in philosophy. raising the baby. No, I, I, I honestly wondered if they'd, like, been on the bus for so long that, like, he had had sex with that woman, and she gave birth on the bus, and he was a father. Like, they don't say how long he's on the bus for. I honestly thought that was true, because he's so close to this baby. He's, like, carrying this baby. He's, like, bouncing it. He's talking to it. He's like, hey, Mikey. I'm going to teach you some lessons for life so that you're going to be just as successful as me. And watching it, I was like, holy fuck, Tom Cruise is a baby? And I was like, okay, I guess that explains why he needed to get on that bus because his baby was on the bus. Okay, that justifies pulling the bus over. (laughs) And then when I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Who would leave their baby on the bus? And I was like, have they been on the road for nine months? Did he, like, (laughs) impregnate a woman on the bus? And it, like... The bus is like Snowpiercer, where they're just circling the country over and over and over again. <laughs> Generations are born on it. He took the Goofy movie route. <laughs> yeah, he took the Goofy movie route to New York, where they stopped yeah. in like the panhandle of Florida for a while, and they were just all over the yeah. place. They were following Goofy's map. <laughs> Careful, son, you're wrinkling my pants. I'm cheating on this, but like saying Tom Cruise is following Goofy's map is just kind of a metaphor for his life in Dianetics. <laughs> Damn it! Scientology. 
Oh my god, Sean Pound it is. Ah, that's my second time I've made a Gordon Bombay, and I already have to make another Gordon Bombay. <laughs> I'm still on my first. How are you drinking so I'm much? I'm taking big drinks. I should probably sips. stop that. Um, yeah. Considering we've only talked about the opening montage. Of yeah. <laughs> He's still on the bus. He's still on the bus, and you are two drinks in. Okay, he gets to New York. <laughs> Thank God we jumped ahead. He gets Four to seconds. Grand Central Station. <laughs> He then gets off the bus and he gets on the subway. He then gets off the subway. It's Vernon Jackson Station. And I looked this up because I really wanted to know the answer to it. He gets off at Vernon Jackson, Queens, which is, it's a 15 minute ride. I just, I'm going to point this out later. He gets off at Vernon Jackson. Okay, Rob, then what happens? Oh, fuck. Is that the, I'm going to bring this up later. Is that the, we'll get to this later? Yes, yes, it was. Damn it. All right. If you're one ahead of me, I'm going to try and catch up here. Like, we could have just grabbed beers. Why are we making, like, a... I mean, a gin and tonic isn't that complicated, but, like, two different types of... We have to drink cocktails for the cocktail (laughs) episode, The movie's called Cocktail, Rob. The movie isn't called Beer, Rob. Yeah. (laughs) Tom Cruise starring in beer! (laughs) Exclamation mark. (laughs) Rob, tell us what happens next in the movie. Uh, he, uh, meets his... Uncle? Uncle Pete, who owns a bar? Uh, Uncle Pete owns a bar in Queens. And, uh, he was in a war, right? He was, he came back from the no, war. We learned I that think he... Uncle Pete is joking about that. I think that's sarcasm. There's no wars in the 80s. Well, I, I think he's just, he's probably just done his, like, three years or whatever it is. Because there were no wars in the 80s, right? I mean, there probably were. I probably sound ignorant. This movie came out a year before I was born. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Unless he was part of the Iran-Contra affair. Unless he was a Contra. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that... Uh, that's, um... Is it Tom Cruise? Did he make a movie about that a bit? Uh, American Made? With uh, Doug Lyman? That's him smuggling drugs. That's not him as a Contra. Why would you think that's about no, him no, no, as no, a no. Contra? But, but the, at the end of it, they, like, do some sort of, like, scam with the American All right, okay, army yeah, yeah. or something. So, who knows? Okay, this movie is about a Contra who comes back to America <laughs> to become a bartender. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, he, uh, we, we get some backstory that his, uh, his mom, I think, died? Or... Yeah. I think his both his parents are dead. They insinuate that both of his parents are dead because his uncle is his only family. His uncle has kept his mother's apartment. Presumably his uncle owns it and is renting it out to yuppies, as he says. Later on, when he came back from Jamaica, I was like, I hope he goes back to the same apartment. And then when he did, I was like, yes, but it makes more sense if that's the bum is his dad's bar. His uncle's bar. <laughs> yeah, his uncle's bar. The thing is, the movie keeps positing him as he's like, I'm going to be self-made, rising from the bottom by myself. But even fucking Tom Cruise in this movie where he's like, I don't have a college education. I'm just a bartender and I'm going to make a million on my own. Even he has a fucking safety net where his uncle has a fucking apartment that he can live in whenever he wants, apparently. You know, like even a movie that's about, oh, I don't have it. I'm not a millionaire. What am I going to do? Dude is basically still a millionaire compared to ninety percent. Yeah, he like live. He lives rent free in Queens. Like he's fine. Yeah, exactly. His, his uncle gives him some life lessons or something. Yeah. Okay. Like, so this brings us back to our regular reoccurring segment on this show. What can we learn from the movie Blank Check? Um, or more specifically, <laughs> the script writing advice present in Save the Cat. 
by the screenwriter that, that of isn't Blank Check. That is one of our regular segments, Sean, but uh, we can we can call it one for this episode if you want, no, so we have to take a he's drink. He's called back to it before. Remember, one of the rules of screenwriting is you state the themes of the movie right in the first five minutes. And although this isn't necessarily the first five minutes, the first five minutes are mostly just montage. There's so many montages. I think this is really the first five minutes because this is the first dialogue scene of the movie. And so he gives a couple of pieces of advice. I want to ask you guys what you think the themes of the movie are. Number one, make no friends, trust no one, make sure that you're the smartest guy in the room when it comes to money. Number two, you want fun? Go play at the beach. Or number three, most things in life, good and bad, just kind of happen to you. Um, It's D. It's all of the above. That is the first, second, and third act of the film. I know! Yeah. You got it right, Bob! Woo! Bob gets... Drinks on the house. The plot of the movie is that Tom Cruise beds a series of millionaires. Yeah. Until he finds one that he can totally ruin. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. I got to compliment it. In terms of screenwriting structure, you know, this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, Mr. Haywood Gould. I'm going to say that again because my voice cracked and I don't want that in the episode. But now that I'm explaining it so much, I'm going to put it in the episode. His name is Haywood Gould. And we Gould. have to take a yeah, drink that's, because that's, you're that's saying, a variation you're saying you want to cut something out. Damn it. All right. I'm going to drink This it. is like going to be the only episode that you don't have to edit just to see how messy it is. Oh, my God. Because every time we say we'll cut something out, it's just going to have to stay in. Congra- congratulations, fans. We're three and a half minutes into the movie and we've recorded for an hour. I'm going to cut so much out. Yeah. Yeah. You just said you're going to. No, gonna... no, no. That's just. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Fine. <laughs> Little sips. Baby sips. Okay, that was a small sip because I don't totally endorse it. Okay. Um, what was I about to say? I was about to say something and it was going to be... The screenwriting credits. the screenwriting and the structure oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, all I was saying was that I do like the first scene. I think it's a great way to introduce the character through action. And in this second scene, he introduces, as Bobby said, the themes of the first act, second act, and third yeah. act through dialogue presented by his uncle, who is supposed to be a wise mentor figure for him. It's extremely well-structured. Not entirely creative, although... I have to say, I do like the sort of parable of wisdom that is most things in life, good and bad, just kind of happen to you. I think that's a nice little thing to put on a packet of sugar. Uh, so props to the screenwriter th- for throwing that in the movie, okay? He says he's got plans to get a job in the city, right? He's going to make a million bucks. Yeah. And his uncle starts, like, laughing at him or something. I just watched this last night, but he just basically he's got an aspiration and retreated to another montage after our one dialogue scene. Yeah. This montage sucks. This montage is terrible, but also makes no sense. Why do you say it sucks? It made me figure out what like they were perhaps trying to say with the film. And I started figuring out, like, 100%. oh, I get it. Like, he is getting all the rejected because he doesn't have experience. But he doesn't want to get the experience. He learned from the book of life. He doesn't have any of their school learning. He can bring something unique to the table. Okay, Rob, you go. What, what did you hate about this montage? The fact that it wouldn't have happened. Because <laughs> all of them say your resume leaves something wanting to be wanting or something like that. They would not have given him an interview. Okay, yeah. At all. Yeah. They would have not called yeah. him. There's no reason he's in any of these interviews. He does not have the experience. They would have thrown his resume in the trash. We need it for the film, but it's completely... Like, I, I hear what you're saying, and I disagree with both of you. Here's the thing. I like this montage. I like it a lot. <laughs> I, will, I will get to this. I will get to this more. All right. We have to drink. Yep. Yep. Oh, Jesus. I think the first 25 minutes or so of this movie worked reasonably well the, for all me. All the New York stuff? Yeah, yeah. It works reasonably well for me. 
this montage of him getting these interviews is ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing. Unless you incorporate the fact that this is Tom Cruise. <laughs> and he can both, A, convince anyone of anything, as we saw in the opening scene of the movie. Listen, it's tight screenwriting. And B, is the most handsome man alive. Did he include a headshot with his resumes? Like, I strongly suspect he slept with people in order to get these interviews. <laughs> That's not a joke. I honestly think this is how he was getting these interviews. I'm not totally inventing this as my own backstory, as my own headcanon or my fan fiction. I think the movie sets up that Tom Cruise is a borderline Scientology psychopath who can convince anyone of anything. Drink. As part, yeah, drink, drink, drink. As part of those characteristics, he can get himself in the door. And so it is very possible that he slept his way into getting an interview, and then somebody had to interview him and looked at his resume and said, why the fuck am I interviewing you? Because it, it, you're, you're saying he slept, he slept with the screener. Which got him in the door, but then he couldn't seal the deal, so to speak. Once he got through the door, <laughs> somebody had to look at his resume, and they said... You have literally no experience. You've done three years in the military, apparently. You don't have a finance degree. And he's like, yeah, but I learn quickly. And they're like, not fucking calculus, you don't. And so he doesn't get any of the jobs. And I thought it was funny and ridiculous that this guy was trying to cheat his way to the top and he couldn't. It's a weird, sad movie that goes on way too long. But like, it's... To some extent, it's just funny, where it's just like some con artist who's like, I'm going to cheat my way to the top, and then doesn't even get in, like, the ground floor. Yeah. He can't even get in the mailroom. All right, where what happens after this montage, Bob? So he, after um, a day of sleeping with screeners um, and not getting uh, a second date with any of the people he thought he could sleep with in their office to get the job defeated, he turns... His head to a TGI Fridays and sees that they are hiring. It's a TGI Fridays. It fucking blew my mind when I realized that this was at a TGI Fridays because it wasn't in the first scene. It was like after like three or four scenes, they finally do the like the wide shot establishing location. It's like 20 minutes into the movie and you say, oh, fuck, this is a TGI Fridays he's working at. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know it was a TGI Fridays until after I watched the film and looked it up on IMDb. This is the original TGI Fridays. Wait, shut the fuck up. Shut, shut the fuck up. So the premise of this movie that Brian Flanagan wants to open up a chain of yes. bars in all of the shopping centers yes. and then TGI fucking Fridays yes. did it. Yes. Based off of this movie? No, no, no. That's no, that's not entirely true. So, OK, that's why it's a little confusing. You're you're halfway to the weird part. We can talk about it later, but. That's not uh, the same thing. Fucking drink. Damn it, it is. Uh, John, if you want to talk about something, just talk I'm about it. I'm going to talk about it. This okay. Is not, uh, okay. <laughs> this is not working out for us. So the original TGI Fridays was franchised in the late 70s and like sold to a separate like corporate body in the early 80s. So okay. this movie sort of takes place in an alternate universe, I think, where TGI Fridays wasn't franchised. But Tom Cruise has the idea of franchising TGI Fridays. It's a little confusing. Unless, 
And this is a funnier explanation. This <laughs> takes place in our universe. In 1988, Tom yes, Cruise gets yes, a job at TGI Fridays. <laughs> goes to business school and his pitch for a business is the business he already works at. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because it's the original TGI Fridays, but they've already franchised it to malls. And he's like, you know what would be a good idea? If you took the bar I worked at and franchised it to malls, which happened 10 years ago. (laughs) And then to accentuate how dumb his community school professor was, says that's a dumb idea, knowing that TGI Fridays was already a thing. Yeah, it's really weird. I can't figure out the layers of humor there. It's something. It's a joke. It might not be funny, but it's something. (laughs) It's something that's going on in this film. Or maybe he's telling him it's a dumb idea because he's like, dude, that already happened at the bar you work at. Did you Have you not been to a mall? (laughs) You're late to the party, man. You're just stealing the idea of your boss who already yeah. came up with this and made fucking millions. Uh, so it's not FX guy, uh, Brian Brown. What do you mean? It's not him. What do you mean? He's not the owner. He's just the bartender at the TGI Fridays. Yeah, we never see the owner of TGI Fridays. Because it's a corporate body. He's working at a franchise. The movie is basically about a dude who goes to work at McDonald's and is the most popular server at McDonald's. <laughs> because he flips his burgers when he gives them to people. Can you imagine if it was like the same thing, but it was McDonald's and it was hippie hippie shake and it's Tom Cruise flipping oh burgers my God. and everyone's cheering him? Miming fucking the fry basket while he's like taking the fries out of the deep And then fryer. he goes to business class and he's like, I have an idea. We're going to franchise this. <laughs> I'm going to make fast food restaurants. I'm going to chain them. I'm going to make a franchise. He gets this job. He goes in and he meets FX. Brian Boogler. I'm not the one who has to drink when I mispronounce the name. What's Brian his name? Brian Brown. Brown. The guy from FX. Brian Boogler. I, I remember watching those FX films. They made two of them. Uh, I watched them with my dad when I was young, and I dug them. And then they, I think they made a TV show out of it. They did. Here's the it thing. Is, yeah. I also watched those with my dad. To the best of my knowledge... Oh, I thought you were going to say you watched them with my dad. I feel like that's very strange. He was so enthusiastic, he just came around. He was like, you want to watch these movies? Have you seen FX? <laughs> There's two of them. I'm just going around the neighborhood. I know you're not even friends with my son, because you go to different Yet. primary schools, but like, I'm just going around the neighborhood. That was one of the few movies I kind of saw when I was a kid with like my parents, yeah. and then my parents got FX2 when I watched that. And so I grew up kind of thinking that FX was this massive franchise so did i <laughs> and then like i've looked it up since and it was like it was a minor hit minor and i was like growing up and i was like there's two big franchises in life star wars and fx those are the big FX. ones <laughs> james bond long third way down the line <laughs> he gets a job at tgi fridays he he meets <laughs> that's so fucking dumb <laughs> He meets the Coughlin. It's a TGI Fridays. It's a TGI Fridays. This movie's so fucking it's so ridiculous. Dumb. And um, he gets a job bartending, and then he's he's making the signature drink from this film cocktail. That is the red eye. We've already decided before we started recording this podcast that we are going to drink a red eye. Bobby, tell us the ingredients of a red eye. The ingredients of a red eye are as follows. I can't believe we're doing this. I have this. My, my, my baker's yeah, <laughs> quarter of a cup. <laughs> Fucking hell. The recipe calls for one ounce of vodka. Okay. Ugh. Rob, what's the conversion on that? Uh, it is uh, an eighth of a cup. It's an eighth shot, of so a cup. Of so that's quarter. half of a quarter of a cup. It's in there, and I'm drinking absolute vodka. 
It is six ounces of tomato oh, juice. Fuck. Six ounces. So that's going to be three of those quarter cups, Sean. Holy fuck! All right. I know. I've already I've already pre mixed my uh, tomato and uh, vodka in this. This is honestly the worst part of the drink that I am not looking forward to. Is the fucking tomato juice? I hate tomato juice. Did you say six? Six of these quarter cups. So, three of those. Three of those. Three quarter cups. All right, I've already done it. Okay. Uh, one can of beer. Holy fuck. All right, and I am drinking, just for the audience, uh, Left Field Brewery. This is an Ontario brewery coming, as I am, from Toronto. And they produce a beer called Ice Cold Beer, which <laughs> seemed to fit exactly the recipe's requirements. I, uh, I have a, uh, from Saskatchewan, a Nokomis Pale Ale. Uh, they drink MGD. Uh, had I went shopping before watching the film yesterday, I would have picked some MGDs. Oh, and by the way, I don't I don't have a frosty beer mug to drink this in, so I'm drinking it out of my gym thermos that I make my protein <laughs> drinks in. I have a frosty beer mug. You do have a frosty beer mug, people. I'm looking at it. That's much more appropriate than this fucking smoothie thing that I'm drinking this out of. And last but not least... Last but not least, the key ingredient of the red eye, one raw egg. One raw egg! This is my point of contention. In the film, they never actually consume the whole thing. We never see them drink it all. Uh, Brian Brown uh, drinks, like, half of one the first time. And then Tom Cruise and him are just, like, seen sipping on them gingerly uh, a number of other times. Why are we doing this? Listen, Tom Cruise has to keep his calories down, okay? He's not drinking the raw (laughs) egg. Listen, he's worked with Stanley Kubrick. He knows there's a possibility of doing 100 takes. He's not eating 100 raw eggs. Oh my god, this tomato juice is so disgusting. Don't take a drink of that first quite yet, because I do admit I wanted to make sure Rob was getting a name right, so I tried to look something up on IMDb, wouldn't load, but I gotta call myself on it. I can't let it fly under the radar. Just a quick sip of your other drink. That's oh, all god I ask. Oh god damn it, Bobby! Fuck! Oh, all right. We're making this because of you, and you're making us drink more. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm aware. All right. Okay. So I have an egg here. It has. A st- I haven't drank in a month. It has a stamp <laughs> on it that says March 9th, twenty twenty-three. I suppose that's when your it. Your egg. Um, <laughs> I suppose that's when my your egg. egg. <laughs> your your singular egg has an expiry date on it. It is. Okay. It's stamped. Do you think if I looked through every egg, they would have different expiry dates? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, right. In the carton, I would hope they had the same egg, right. uh, expiry date. I'm not. I'm not as oh as talented as Brian Brown, where I can just crack it and like know that I'm going to do it. So I have a bowl here. I'm going to try to crack this and not get shells into my drink. And explicitly, do not stir these. You're drinks. worried about shells. All right, I did Let's it. See if I, I got the it. I got the raw egg in there. I got the tomato juice. I got the beer. Holy fuck. This thing perfectly fits. Holy shit, you guys. I got to point this out. My little, like, fucking gym smoothie cup perfectly fits the amount of <sighs> ingredients that we have discussed. It is, like, right at the top. This is amazing. It was meant to be. This is destiny. This is a hangover cure. This is a hangover and cure. we need this tomorrow, not now. This is going to make us sick. According, according to the recipe guide I found, it says it does actually help with hangover so long as the egg doesn't make you too nauseous. Yeah. Well, so we're going to chug this, right, Rob? 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I'm not sipping this, son of a bitch. Okay, so we're going to chug this. We're drinking a red eye. You should see the look on Bobby's face. It's actually frozen, so he's in gift form laughing <laughs> over and over at me. He's just laughing evilly. That's the rest of this episode is Bobby laughing at us. Okay. No, the rest of this episode is we quit, We cut the recording off because we're both sick. All right. Here's to what ails you. We're drinking a red eye. Go. Oh, my God. Ugh. <laughs> Holy fuck. <sighs> Holy fuck, you guys did that. I am impressed. The tomato so overwhelms you by the time you get to the egg yolk, you don't even notice it. The uh, the egg uh, got uh, stuck in my mouth, so I, I did it in two goes. <laughs> That's not as bad as I expected. I'm amazed right. that we did that, actually. I'm kind of proud of us. <laughs> and it's all recorded for posterity. All right, so uh, what happens next, Bob? Because um, he drinks the red yeah, at the end of the does, scene. Why does Byron Brown, Brian? Oh my god, I just fucked this over. I, yeah, can you gotta take a drink. Uh, Brian Stop Brown. Talking. Uh, Rob. Why does Brian Brown or Doug uh, hire him? Uh, because of the charm? Did he fuck him? Yeah, it's the Scientology. Take another drink. The interview was just. <laughs> oh fuck sakes. I need to make another one. The interview was to see if he'd stick it out. And he stuck it out, and because he made it through a night of hell and didn't flinch, he says, come back, I got five more shifts for you. I gotcha, okay. I think that it was a working interview, just to see if he could handle it. I gotcha. <laughs> he, uh, he, like, assaults him with the cash register. <laughs> oh, he does that totally on purpose. So, Tom Cruise 100%. is brought in to work a night at TGI Fridays. The craziest bar in town. <laughs> Anything can happen Fridays. at TGI Fridays. That's the plot of this fucking Was it a movie. Friday? Do we know? Or was it like a Wednesday? Every day is Fridays at TGI Fridays, Rob. TGI Fridays. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He comes in and he doesn't know how to make a single fucking drink. And he screws up everything and everyone's screaming at him all night. Tom Cruise doesn't leave. And by the end of the night, he's still there. And so it's like, well, you're going to keep learning so you can come in for some more shifts. Like, are we led to believe that Tom Cruise knew about bartending before he got the job at the bar? No, Is it he, because I mean, he... it's pretty accurate. He says, oh, well, I know a little bit from my uncle because he's kind of worked the bar there. You. But that's a Queens bar where everyone just has beer. So he doesn't know much about cocktails. And so everyone's yelling cocktails at him, and he doesn't really know the ingredients of them. And so he has a book in front of him, and he's trying to look up the ingredients. And one guy yells at him, I want a martini. And he's like, okay, what's in that? And it's kind of funny because he's like the worst fucking bartender you can like, imagine. Like, uh, martini. Yeah. This one waitress <laughs> yeah. is yelling at him, and she wants a Cuba Libre or a Cuba Libre. But she says Cuba Libre. She keeps yelling at him, Cuba Libre, Cuba Libre. And so he, as he's trying to fill everyone's drink orders, he keeps trying to look up a Cuba Libre. And then he finally looks it up, and it's just another name for a rum and coke. And he slams down this, like, this ingredients, this recipe book. And he looks at the woman and he goes, you bitch, why didn't you just say it's a rum and coke? And like, I was like, that's funny. That's a funny fucking performance. <laughs> uh, I guess this goes to uh, your comment that Tom Cruise uh, is so charming. He can charm anybody because later then like at the end of the shift, when he's wringing out his socks, the same server who he called a bitch gives him tips. And in the movie, the woman is like, I kind of like you a little bit more after calling me a bitch. Here's the tips. I mean, that is literally what happens in the film. So it's hard to argue with you. This is not a description on any kind of way that a man should treat a woman. It is only a description on Tom Cruise. Scientology yeah. extraordinaire. 
Great. Oh my god, Sean, Holy why? Fuck. <laughs> We're gonna be so dead. I'm on the third uh, Gordon Bombay. No, the third Gordon Bombay, you're one red eye deep, and you have both gotten notably drunker as this has gone on. What do you mean? We've we've gotten notably drunker. I have no idea what you're talking about. Alright, okay, we gotta get we gotta get through this episode then. I've I've started undressing, my tie is loosened, I've untucked it from within my shirt. Sean's at that point where he's like pretending he's not drunk. Pretending. He says come back, and then he gets a a montage bar lesson in flair bartending. Yeah, okay, so there's flair bartending. Now, so this is what we know about the movie. Doesn't make any fucking sense what his explanations are. Well, what are the explanations? What are you talking about? Uh, He says... Uh, we we do this to distract the customers, so we pour less booze because less booze means more money for the bar. That that doesn't make sense. What are you talking about? That makes sense. It, it takes some ten minutes to make one fucking drink. They're not bringing in orders. They're not ringing through money because they're doing so much flair bartender. Like the time it takes for them to make one drink versus where they just pour a shot and put some coke in the glass, but they just make these elaborate drinks. It takes two bartenders to make the one drink for Coral and it takes like five minutes and there's like 30 people around the bar. They're not making money. They're not making money. Okay, actually, you're right. Sorry, you you, you convinced me. I, I said that as if I didn't believe you, but no, you're you're 100% right. Because um, they do do a dance routine for every single drink, so it, it actually doesn't make sense. But- every drink they're dancing! <laughs> it's the only bar in the world where the bartenders have more fun than the, peop- the patrons. <laughs> oh, the patrons have a lot of fun. Come on, they get to stare at Tom Cruise flipping bottles. It's it's a lot of fun. But at any rate, he gives them this whole explanation, which then becomes the next montage, which was the whole marketing plan of the movie. When people talk yeah. about cocktail, to the extent that when Tom Cruise was on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show and they did a recap of Tom Cruise's career where they ran through every one of his movies. They did Cocktail, and it was just Tom Cruise, he flipped a bottle. And it's just like, this is what people remember from this movie. And the thing is, this wasn't in the book. It was added for the movie. And in fact, after an initial screening of the film, Disney was quite unhappy with the response to the movie. And they decided that there were two things that were working in this movie. Number one, the scene where Tom Cruise flips the bottles. And number two, the romance between Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue. And so they were like, make that the entire movie. And so they actually reshot a bunch of the movie and put in more bottle flipping and more romance with Elizabeth Shue, which doesn't surprise me. And also makes the movie be about nothing. It's just, it's just. It's about nothing. It's about nothing. I have a legitimate, serious question about this film. Tell me one thing about Doug besides the fact that he is a bartender and an asshole. He's Australian. Okay, and Australian. He is not a character. No, he He is. He's wrong about everything. He's a terrible person. He's a terrible, he's an asshole. He's an asshole, but that's what covers we by asshole. We know nothing but like that's- about him. We know absolutely nothing about him. He was a man who was picked up and put down in TGI Fridays for this specific story, and he embodies Doug, and that is it. He never existed before TGI Fridays. He pours drinkies, (laughs) as they say in Australia. Yeah, okay. So he's an Australian who pours drinkies at TGI Fridays. Well, we learn that A... He's an asshole. B, he will fly down to Jamaica solely to heckle someone that he doesn't like. C, that falls in the asshole territory. He's really bad at investments. 
<laughs> I would also argue an asshole. I don't know. Like, I mean, yes, you can capture a lot of his characteristics under asshole, but you can capture a lot of my characteristics under asshole. That doesn't mean that I'm not a three-dimensional person. That doesn't mean that I don't exist, Robbie, that I'm not a real human being. Here's the thing. Every time you do something shitty and one of us calls you out and says, Sean, what the fuck was that? You don't turn to us and say, it's Sean's fucking law. That's what it is. <laughs> Every time. Every time Coughlin is an asshole and Tom Cruise is like, what the fuck was that about? And he's like, Coughlin's not number three, mate. <laughs> fuck him. Um, got a drink on that. I'd... Sean just drank, so don't do another one. All right. So I think we can jump ahead of, a bit because this movie really, there's a lot of montages, so we can skip a lot. Oh, yeah. The next, like, ten minutes of the movie is a bunch of montages where, A, uh, he gets good at bartending. B, he gets bad at going to school because he tries to go to school because everyone's like, you got to get a college degree if you want to make a million dollars on yeah. Wall Street. So he goes to business school and he fucking sucks at it. And I want to say two things. The first thing I'll say and the second thing I'll say later, this isn't the same as saying I'll come back to it. <laughs> The first thing is that Tom Cruise... But by saying we'll come back to no, 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 it, is no, no, that no, no, no. us saying we'll no, come no, back no, to no, it? No, 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 it, okay. It's like an essay, okay? I'm I'm laying out my thesis at the beginning. Oh, yes, Tom yes, this Cruise is your opening paragraph. Tom is quite good at acting like he's super fucking bored. Because I wrote a note while I was watching this movie, and the note says, Tom snooze. And <laughs> I think that's a pretty good characteristic of... How he portrays himself going to business school. There was another moment. Uh, I liked really good physical acting by uh, TC. He, uh, it was the scene uh, where he's back in Manhattan in Bonnie's apartment. And he's like shuffling in his house coat back into the bedroom, carrying the carrot juice. I was like, he is conveying everything he needs to with that, that piece of acting. I have no criticisms for Tom Cruise in this film. As a person, I'm sure he's a sociopath. As an actor, I have nothing but compliments for him in most of his career. I had a different opinion about his dancing. That's not a major part of this film. He's not a dancer. You said this character is Tom Cruise. Yeah, and I'm sure Tom Cruise as a person is also a bad dancer. Except if he committed himself to learning how to dance, but he's never played a dancer. So why would he commit himself That's to it, learning right? how to dance? Yeah, yeah. No, but it feels like it's uh like a really uncools impersonation of what they think a cool person dances like is him doing all those dances in the bar like he saw someone cool do that and he's trying to impersonate oh, he's a terrible dancer in this movie but that's the thing he is playing himself which is a person who is both good at everything he sets his mind to and is adored by everyone around him and so he thinks he's great at everything except he's not right. good at the things that he hasn't practiced which is dancing and he's bad at that. So it's it's flying helicopters. It's uh, jumping off of things um, and running really fast, but not dancing. Not dancing. Good. For Check. me, this is the scene where I really started to hate this movie. Okay. Yeah. My reasoning behind it was is this was because this character arc of this like alpha male shit who doesn't need anyone to tell him what to do and is going to get to the top kind of rubs me the wrong way and it's very contrived. Why am I drinking? We didn't do anything. Damn it. I, as a joke, was writing down, like, Tom Cruise doesn't need school, man. Like, he went to the school of life. He he learned everything he needed on the streets. As I was writing streets, the line Tom Cruise said was, everything oh, yes. that professor says doesn't mean yes. a damn thing in the streets. And I was like, thank you for finishing my note for me, TC. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Rob. I'm going to make us drink. I have to run to the washroom. Oh, shit. I'm so flushed. Your video's very blurry, but I imagine the drunker you get, the blurrier the video is going to be. I've somehow coded this program to anticipate my level of intoxication to represent that 
as a visual. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You think very highly of me, and I appreciate you, and I love you. Thank you very much, Bobby. You're a dear friend. Uh, you're, at that, you're at that stage now where you're telling me you love me, huh? I haven't drank in a month, Bobby. <laughs> I'm, I am, I'm, I'm close to not being okay. okay. I don't know what you two are talking about, but we're going to talk about the movie well, again. We're talking about how I'm at the stage of loving everybody, and if I could, I would hug you both. Well, that's why I live in Toronto. As far away from your hugs as possible. There was that time I hugged you and dislocated two of your ribs. You did. You broke a rib. <laughs> I did. I really did. I'm you so have the sorry. worst hugs in the world. I came to see you in Saskatoon and I was like, hey, Rob, long time no see. And you grabbed me and you broke one of my ribs. And it, it was so clear that you broke a rib. It audibly I snapped. It. I felt it. While I was it audibly snapped. Yeah, I was like, and then oh, you dropped oh, no. me and you went, what was that? And I was like, that was my rib breaking. <laughs> At Rob's wedding, he hugged someone so hard he dislocated his knee. <laughs> like, Rob, your, your problem is that you love too much. Now, it, listen, it healed after four Good. months. Um, four. I can't believe that happened. All right. Now we just get an extended kind of montage-esque sequence. Tom Cruise hates being in business school because he doesn't like learning shit because that's for nerds. Yeah. He likes yeah. pouring drinks where women fawn over him because he's Tom Cruise and he's handsome despite his unibrow. <laughs> And so we get uh, the sequence of him becoming very good at flipping drinks. They they get hired to a new bar called the Cell Block. This scene is so dumb. This was such a dumb fucking scene because they're flipping and dancing and pouring shots and nobody's actually drinking anything. They're just watching these guys pour drinks. And no, no. It's because the- it takes them 10 minutes to pour one drink because they do it by a song. So no one's drinking. They're not making any money. Here, here's my thing with this is there's one guy at the front who is like, wow, you guys are amazing. What are you doing here? I own the hottest bar in town and you should come work for me. I'll make you famous. And I was like, what is the owner of the hottest bar in New York doing drinking at a TGI TGI Fridays? Fridays. On like a Wednesday. (laughs) On a Wednesday. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. On a Friday, obviously. All days are Friday. It's a TGI Friday. Anyway, they get the job at the hottest bar in New York. The cell block. Which is a beat poetry bar. I do not understand this bar. It's concrete and poetry, Sean. What's not to understand? It's like an overhead shot, and it just is like a mob of people around a single bar and a staircase, and then someone climbs the staircase and then recites yuppie beat poetry. The coolest person you've ever seen. I was trying to understand it. As I watched it, I was like, is this a comedy routine? Are they at a comedy bar? Because this guy climbs up the staircase and he says, I would like to do yuppie beat poetry. And then he does like a poem about how great money is. I just wrote the 80s were weird because I assumed this was a regular occurrence at all of the bars. And it's but it's like in reality, everybody would just be doing mountains of cocaine. Right. Like that is actually what would be going on in this bar. That's why they only have one bar, because everybody is upstairs just snorting mountains of coke. That makes perfect sense. No one's buying drinks because they're all high on coke. So you can take 10 minutes to make one drink. Listen, if the owner of the bar is also on the take with regards to the cocaine dealing that is going on in the bar, right? then it makes sense. That's why this guy wanted the bartenders there. He was like, listen, if you can take an hour and a half to make drinks, which means I don't need to buy too much alcohol <laughs> and I just sell more cocaine, I am going to make a fucking fortune. Profit margins are huge. I gotcha. It makes sense. Yeah. So after uh, the yuppie beat poet 
Tom Cruise says, I'm Tom Cruise and I'm good at everything, and jumps on the bar and does his own beat poetry about being a bartender. Yeah, and it's terrible and it fucking sucks, but for some reason everyone cheers because, again, he's Tom Cruise. And he has a thousand watt smile, and he's a sociopath who can convince anyone of anything. I had one laugh, and that was when someone off camera went, jingling? Whatever that was, I laughed. I laughed way more than I should have because it was, it was clearly added in post, but and it was like, that's a choice. And they stuck with it. They put money into making that a thing. And I laughed so much at the idea of that. Anyway, so the whole point about this is that they're at this hot bar and there's rolling this photographer, this millionaire photographer i want to stress right. this woman yes comes to the bar with a camera yep. and she says i'm a millionaire photographer and i'm in love with you she works for vanity fair rolling stone what is it I don't, she says that when he's famous she's gonna put him in rolling stone i don't know what it okay what she actually works gotcha. for it doesn't matter because she apparently owns a brownstone in the upper east side a brownstone. And so is therefore a millionaire. And then she goes and eats pizza on top of Pete's Bar in Queens with 18-year-old Tom Cruise. She's slumming it. Here's the thing I don't understand. She starts dating him. He sleeps with her a bunch of times. And he's like, this isn't a one-night stand. This is commitment. I fucking love her. And Coughlin's like, I bet you that you're not going to stay with her by next week or whatever the fuck he says. You know, sorry, Australian fans. That's like all of our fans, Sean. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Sorry, 65% of our listeners in Tasmania. (laughs) I swear I know that you're a real place now. Um, (laughs) Sean, stop it. Cut this out. (laughs) Shit. Fuck. Fuck. God, we got to drink to that. Uh, Australian Brian sleeps with her, this, this Rolling Stone millionaire photographer. And Tom Cruise is like, why, why did you do this to me? Why did you sleep with Brian? And she's like, you should have thought of that before you talked about her sex life. This is, uh, this confuses the fuck out of me. I feel like there's either something cut out of this movie or this is very bad screenwriting or I don't understand what's going on. What happened here? Because... Everything we see him say is very complimentary. He's like, I love this woman. I slept with her. It's not a one night stand. She's amazing. I'm going to commit myself to this woman. I don't think he said anything. We as the audience saw everything that was actually said. But because Coughlin is a misogynist sociopath, he lies and tells her everything. He tells her that Tom Cruise said all this about her is what I got out of that scene. Oh, I said so many times throughout the course of this film. When is this? What is happening? How long has it been? What is happening? I texted you yeah, yeah. both in a group chat, two years exclamation mark, because it felt like it was the next day because there is no like continuity. We are not treated to any sort of timeline. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're going to get to that and I'll drink, drink. to this, but like, there is some crazy fucking <laughs> Fuck. timeline shit once he comes back to New York from Jamaica. I was going to say really quickly before this, because this is important to the Beach Boys song. When they're eating pizza above his uncle's bar, she's the one that gives a suggestion of, oh, you guys should go to Jamaica. 
because it's all cash. Oh, yeah. It's you don't have to claim any of it. A couple seasons there, you guys will have the money to have your bar. And Flanagan says he wants it after you watch him drink another red eye. We're not doing it again. We're not doing it again. No, you, you no no no. You only had to drink the one. I, I'm not going to make you do that again. I don't actually want to watch you vomit. Thank fuck. But he says cocktails and dreams, and Flanagan says that's a good name for a bar. That's it. It's not. No, it's not. While he's still dating this Rolling Stone millionaire photographer, she, holds a she suggests to go to Jamaica. Tom Cruise is like, we'll make a bunch of money and then we can open our own bar. And Coughlin is like, I got a better idea. Why don't we wait around for a millionaire to come in no. and sleep with us and give us a million dollars? I, I, I actually... Oi! I had, <laughs> Australian! Stop it, Sean. We're going to get no downloads on this episode. <laughs> Coughlin is like, look, mate, I'm 45 years old. I'm going to be dead from liver failure in about two. So I don't have three years to Listen, make this. Listen, I think it's important for the plot to point out that Coughlin's life plan was like, oi! <laughs> stop this, please. Bobby, Bobby, <laughs> we have to stop this. Uh, we're not going to... Next week... We're going to have seven reviews that are one stars that are like, we like the episode up until Sean did his terrible Australian accent and offended everyone I know and our ancestors. <laughs> so I have the next note that FX is a toxic friend because he decided he was going to fuck with Brian. Why? Why did he do this? Because he felt left out because he... He, he has to prove that Coughlin's laws... Are real and have actual effects on things. Oh, we got a drink for I, that. I, you got, when you say the full sentence, it's got to be done. Yep. That are real and have... A f what? It real and have effects on people. He's trying to prove that, like, every shitty thing that happens because I made a law about it and you have to listen to me because I'm the Obi-Wan Kenobi to your Anakin Skywalker. Well, yeah, because he's just, um... I've drank too much. I can't think of jokes fast enough. I'm going to have to edit this later so that it, it makes it... <laughs> Makes sense in a slight amount of time. No, that was that was a close one, but I'll let that one slide. Oh, I just drank. Damn it. Good. Thank you, Rob. Bob. Which one are you? Are you Bob or are you Rob? You're Bob. I fucking hated both of these characters. Like I hated Flanagan yes! because of his like yes! because of his like, I don't need school. I got the school of life. I'm gonna get what I want. And Coughlin is a fucking prick who will stab you in the back for fifty dollars just to prove you have to give him fifty dollars. It made me think of American Psycho, and I was like, this seems like the type of fucking movie that would be Patrick Bateman's favorite film. And then I forgot that in the book American Psycho, which I have a copy of right here, Patrick Bateman lives in the same condo complex as Tom Cruise. Cruise. And when he's in the elevator with Tom Cruise for the first time meeting him in the same building, Patrick Bateman says, I thought you were very fine in the film Bartender. I thought it was quite a good movie. Top Gun 2. It was really good. He looks away from the numbers and straight to me and says, Cocktail. Pardon me, I say confused? He clears his throat and says, Cocktail. Not Bartender. The film was called Cocktail. It goes a level <laughs> deeper because Christian Bale based his performance of Patrick Bateman on on a 1999 yes, yes, interview on David Letterman of Tom Cruise. It goes even deeper than that, Bobby, because for, like, a week, Jeffrey Katzenberg changed the name of Cocktail to The Bartender. What? What? If IMDb, which I'm looking up now, sorry to make us drink again, is led to believe... That, that, that was a big drink. Sean, that glass was upside down for a while. I'm falling apart quickly. We gotta get through this episode. Come on. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. 
Just prior to the picture's premiere theatrical release in 1989, as reported in a 29th of October 2006 edition of West Magazine, whatever the fuck that is, the film's title was briefly changed to The Bartender by Jeffrey Katzenberg, the Walt Disney CEO at the time, and then changed back to Cocktail before it opened wide in theaters. What is a worse decision? Having Bill Farmer not do the Goofy voice when he made the Goofy movie? Or retitling cocktail to the bartender which was then satirized in the book form (laughs) of american psycho which itself was then satirized in the movie american psycho there's two levels of tom cruise satire (laughs) it's like the inception of satire (laughs) why did spielberg open a studio with him this man has terrible ideas. <laughs> Jumping ahead, what's goes on here is that Tom Cruise punches the shit out of FX Australian dude, and then he was like, fuck you, I'm going to Jamaica. He goes to Jamaica. We cut ahead two fucking years? I, I have the same note. Two years. I had a note here, and I was like, is FX not in the film anymore? He is. Don't worry, because Tom yeah. Cruise is slinging drinks for about three and a half minutes, and then all of a sudden FX yeah. is back in the film. Well, we get a scene where, where Tom Cruise doesn't do anything thing but gets called out being a hero for saving elizabeth shoe's friend um all he does is say hey i don't have a phone go to somebody who has a phone and call an ambulance my, my wife made the point here uh when elizabeth shoe saddles up to the bar and says i'll take a beer and tom cruise goes beer my kind of woman or some bullshit this is fucking terrible this is 100 percent a male gaze film front to back tom cruise likes elizabeth shoe because she orders a beer no tom cruise tom cruise likes elizabeth shoe because she's elizabeth shoe and she's a babe yes fine so tom cruise um he's working in jamaica elizabeth shoe shows up she's like hey my girlfriend passed out from heat stroke and he's like yeah i know i'm awesome and then he goes back to his bar and he slings some fucking drinks he's in a uh he's in a 360 degree bar this time like the bar in t he, he, he graduates from tgi fridays which is just a line so like 180 yeah or whatever it is. And then in uh, Cell Block, it's like this like semicircle. And now he's in a 360-degree he, bar. He's he fully graduated into the ultimate bartender where he is a 360-degree bar. He also doesn't yeah. have a co-bartender who will steal women from him. So he's, he's fully yeah. confident yeah. in his abilities at this point. And so as he's flirting with Elizabeth Shue, unfortunately, his arch nemesis... Australian Cochrane shows up as if he is like Statler and Waldorf. He has traveled all the way to fucking Jamaica. I know, I know. To like this, this, this dude guy. is a fucking sociopath. He married a woman, and they are having their honeymoon in Jamaica specifically so that he can heckle this guy because he knows this guy works there. And he shows up, and he's like. Boo! You fucking suck! I mean, Sean is, like, exaggerating, but that's he's, what he's he not. does. And, like, his first order of business is, oh, this girl clearly likes him. I'm going to sit right next to her and ruin this. And so he sits next to her and he's like, hey, you fucking like this guy? He's probably, he probably sucks. Doesn't he suck? And then they bicker for a little while. And then we get a montage where Tom Cruise has a bunch of romantic sex with Elizabeth Shue in a private waterfall. How long was she there for? I don't know. She's a millionaire. No, no, we don't I, know that yeah, yeah. yet, but she's but a like, millionaire. Doesn't he work? Like, 
How much time do you get off? He's the only bartender. There's like 360 degrees of people who want drinks. And he spends like an entire week with Elizabeth Shue. He gets a Saturday off and he takes her to a private waterfall where they have a bunch of really awesome sex. They do so many activities, Sean. This, this, this sex was really, really awkward. It's him throwing her into the water. He, like Gina Gershon, he tackles her off the bed. And Elizabeth Shue, he just like body flips her into the water. Why is Tom Cruise so violent with his sex? Sexual partners in this film. Because this movie's about hating women. Yes! Thank you! Is this movie... Okay, sorry. I, I have to ask, What is? It, why is it about hating women? Most of Coughlin's laws are just about being shitty to women. Coughlin's a terrible person, but he shoots himself. Spoiler alert. <laughs> why is the movie about hating women? Fuck, now I, I, I have to say, because we will get to it later. He learns all of Coughlin's laws. Fuck. And he says, oh, I know what to do with my life. Ruin the life of this successful young woman who doesn't need me in it. Okay, he ruins her. No, it's about hating Elizabeth Shue. But why is it about hating women? <laughs> Sorry, it's about hating Elizabeth Shue. All right, I have to make myself another Gordon Bombay because oh, I've already. Terrible. Holy fuck! We got to get through this movie before I die. He says, you know, of all the women in the world, he he picks the dumbest and the ugliest. I'm like, you just call like Elizabeth Shue dumb and ugly or poor? Like, I I know we got a drink because I did the impression, but Bobby, <sighs> the things that we Ow. do. Tried to open a drink and hurt me. Did it hurt more than when Robbie hugged you? <laughs> no, because Robbie's love is painful. Maybe that's the moral of the film. Maybe you just corrected me. <laughs> uh -oh. oh no. Alright, okay, so Elizabeth Shoe shows up. She's like, my girlfriend has passed out because she drank too much we, we've done that um, we were past champagne it. on the beach and she had each stroke and tom cruise is like everybody get away i'm an expert on heat stroke and he runs up and he's like i'm a fucking medical professional and he like puts his hand on her and he's like what this woman needs is an ambulance call an ambulance and she's like, holy fuck, Tom Cruise, you're a fucking doctor. And he's like, I know, I know. Oh, Sean edits this sometime next week. He's even like, didn't I just say that? Elizabeth shoots this down and she's like, Tom Cruise, you're fucking hot. And he's like, I know. A lot of millionaires told me that. And she's like, yeah. Do you want to go, do you want to go fucking fuck at a waterfall? And he's like, yeah, I know just the waterfall. And so they fuck at a waterfall. <laughs> he's like, I've been here for two years. You wouldn't know it by watching this film. And so then they come back to the bar and then like Coughlin's like, Oi, you got to seduce that woman over there. Right. Yeah. He bets him another $50. That's the thing. Like the, the emotions of women are worth only $50 to him. That is why I say this movie's about being shitty to women. And then Tom Cruise is like, I will totally break the heart of the woman that loves me and also seduce this woman that I don't care about for $50. I will I will ruin the life of everyone around me in order to impress a single Australian. What does Brian Brown have on Tom Cruise? Nothing. He's just, he's, he's, he's just there to torment him. And like, he's just like, oh yeah, there's my wife. I'm using her. She has lots of money. I'm in love with her. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. Okay, he, he flies all the way down to Jamaica. And he's like, you fucking suck. Tom Cruise, that's number one. Number two... Look at my hot billionaire wife. When Tom Cruise moved away, Australian Coughlin was like, my plan is I'm gonna stand here and wait until a millionaire comes up to me and says, I will give you my money. That happens. That happens. It was very, very serendipitous. <laughs> he goes to Jamaica and he's like, my plan worked. And Tom Cruise is like, 
honestly, when you told me my plan is to wait around, wait around for a millionaire to show up, I thought that was dumb. But apparently, you've proven mm-hmm. me wrong. And he was like, "I know, I proved you wrong. I'm a millionaire now." So then he has this millionaire, and he has a yacht, and he's like. Why don't you come work for me? Because I'm a millionaire now. And Tom Cruise is like, I don't know. I don't think I wanted to do that. Rob, tell me the plot that happens next. This was back in the day when Tom Cruise was a sex symbol. And I was trying to think, when was like the last time Tom Cruise had a kiss on screen? And the one I could, the one, last one I could think of was Mission Impossible 3? But then I remembered The Mummy, where he kisses a woman to death. I've never seen The Mummy, where he kisses a woman to death. <laughs> the funniest thing. That's what Tom Cruise is reduced to now. Nobody takes him seriously as a sex symbol. Did you just say reduced to? Tom Cruise was in the highest grossing film domestically of last year, which was... Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I haven't seen. I spilled so much tonic water. Oh my god! Oh my god! But tell me, what was the plot? (laughs) There's so much tonic water spilled. Oh my god! I can't stop. A a single. Oh no. Okay. So anyway, so Elizabeth Shue leaves. So Bonnie, Bonnie uh, is the rich millionaire. She, uh, Tom Cruise, sleeps with her. Finds a rich millionaire. He sleeps with her. Yeah. He's like, I'll fucking sleep with a millionaire for fifty dollars. Uh, Elizabeth Shue sees it. They move back to New York City, and Tom Cruise is now a kept man in a high-rise apartment. So he moves back to ter- to <laughs> New York. New York. <laughs> Toronto? It was shot in Toronto. He moves back, he moves back to, to Toronto because it was shot in Toronto. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It was shot in Toronto. I know it was. So he moves back to Toronto where it was shot, and he's living in a condo with this woman. And uh, she says to him, look, baby, Tommy, Tommy boy. Sean, why are you drinking? <laughs> Sorry. I've forgotten how the game works. So it says, come to this art gallery. Uh, wear a pinstripe sh- suit. He shows up not wearing a pinstripe sh- suit because he's like, bitch, I moved all my shit out earlier today. I'm going to cause some shit. And uh, he still has that alcoholic gene that he inherited from Doug. Um, and he gets loaded at the art gallery. And because we know that Tom Cruise wasn't actually in a war, but he can take a punch to the face uh, and knocks out uh, the art gallery person, embarrasses his sugar mama, and then <laughs> gets slapped in the face by her and says, I'm out of here. You had said earlier that you want to talk about the slap, Sean. So talk about the slap. The slap is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I. I 100% think the slap should have got an Oscar. There should be an Oscar for that slap. An Oscar? There should be an Oscar. Oscar. Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to not be as drunk as I am. <laughs> and so he fights the fucking artist at this art gallery, and then he gets kicked out, and she comes out, and she's like, what's the fucking deal? And he's like, the fucking deal is I'm done with you, and I've moved all my shit out, and she slaps him in the face. And then his reaction to that slap is to stomp three times, scream into the air as if he's a fucking banshee of anger. (laughs) Okay, so after he moves all of his stuff out of Bonnie's apartment back to 
Pete's attic, apparently, that he just keeps open for him. He then goes and stalks Elizabeth's shoe and says, I'm Tom Cruise. Uh, I know I literally cheated on you when you were there. In front of your face. And, and, and Elizabeth shoe takes him back to their apartment. Or her apartment, sorry. Uh, where she's been painting the waterfall. Because that's where she got pregnant with Tom Cruise's child. And this was a flag for me because Tom Tom Cruise doesn't question when he walks out of this apartment going like, she has a huge apartment. I fucked a rich girl. There's no way this artist can afford this apartment in New York. Oh, no, that's supposed to be a small apartment in the 80s, Bobby. Not in New York, it's not. Uh, and Tom Cruise has a whiny baby attitude and says, everything's against me. I only cheated on you because some Brian Brown bet me $50. You understand, don't you, Elizabeth Shue? Elizabeth Shue should have punched him in the balls and then threw him out that fucking window. She kind At of that did. that point in time. To be fair, she kind of did. No, 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 no. She said, get out of here. But she should have punched him in the balls. I was screaming at the TV. Okay, she didn't do that. Okay, so Tom Cruise, we're we're getting near. Here's the thing. I want to say two things. The end. We're getting. I want to say two things. First of all, we're not getting near the end because we are approximately two thirds through the movie. But number three or number two, I don't remember. I don't remember how far I am into the numbers. The movie <laughs> is stupid. And whatever happens <laughs> next doesn't matter. You're right. The ending doesn't matter. He just oppressively kidnaps Elizabeth's shoe into marrying him. It's like this This movie is a series of millionaires, and it's like, which millionaire is Tom Cruise going to ruin the life of? Answer, all of them. All of them. And, well, the thing is, because he, he goes to Coughlin's bar. What was it called? Hysteria, which... I got to say, we got to drink whenever there's spot that racism. Yeah. Spot that sexism. I got to say two things. First of all, we never talked about the fact that when Tom Cruise was trying to sell FX Australian guy on going to Jamaica, he was like, Jamaica, man. Ah, yes. We're going to go to Jamaica. We got to drink on that. I I wrote down spot the racism, but I couldn't remember what the racism was. So we have to drink that. Okay, spot the racism is Tom Cruise trying to sell people on Jamaica. Jamaica, so we're going to drink to that. Tom keep going, Cruise keep going. goes back to his uncle Pete and says, I got to go pregnant. Pete shuts the bar down and they have a one-to-one uh, heart-to-heart. As you said, Sean, following the rules of the beginning of the film that eventually you're going to find yourself with a wife and uh, a, a kid. It's, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. Yeah, so here's the happen. thing. At this point in the movie... Fuck. <laughs> go ahead. Talk without me. <laughs> It's a callback to the beginning because that actually happened to him. He just found himself to be, uh, he got someone knocked up, apparently. But Pete says in, like, the most disgusting way, she's not trying to shake you down. She's not trying to marry you. Don't do anything. Just go leave her be. And Tom Cruise is portrayed to be the hero because he's like, I mean, I guess I can be with her. I got nothing better going on. Tom Cruise is portrayed to be the hero because he's like, I am pregnant of this woman, so I'm going to A, punch her father, B, kidnap her, (laughs) C, take her away from her money, D, make her live in this fucking shitty bar I created. Like... 
he ruins her life. Well, what I, I didn't like, too, is that when he goes back to her apartment after this scene to try and win her back, he's banging on the door, and her neighbor down the hall says, don't forget about it, she's not home. She's like, oh, well, can you tell me where she is? She's like, oh, yeah, I'll give you her address and tell you exactly right? how to get there. And you're like, you are not looking out no. for this girl. Like, nobody no. is looking out for her. And then later on in the film, when he, like, breaks into the building and, like, he says to the butler, like, where is she? The butler's like, oh, she's over well, there. Well, the biggest problem, the biggest problem here is that he goes into the building and he goes to the, like, the, 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 um... Bellhop. Person at the door. The bellhop. The bellhop. The person at the door. Whatever word is. And this person is like, she's on the 75th floor, but you'll never get there. <laughs> and he's like, you didn't count on one thing. Well, that I'm fucking Tom Cruise. <laughs> he runs. <laughs> well, they made a mistake. No one can outrun Tom Cruise. I made a note um, when the neighbor was telling Tom Cruise that she lives on like Park Avenue or whatever the bullshit is. Sean, stop drinking. <laughs> Sean. <laughs> the the neighbor tells Tom Cruise that she's on like lives on Park Avenue or something with her parents. And the, um, I was like, oh. She's rich, so it's cool. Everything is going to work out for him. Because of course it is. He says to her and to his dad that I deserve a second chance. And I said, no, you don't, Tom Cruise. You do not at all. You do not deserve anything. I wrote that you. too. The dad gives him a check for $10,000 and is like, get the fuck out of my daughter's life. Here's $10,000. You like this money means so little to me and you mean even less. Just get out of her life. Right. And he has this big moment where he's like, you think this is enough to buy me off $10,000? And I was like, you broke this girl's heart for not even a fraction of that. <laughs> like, you think your heart was worth $50 to you. She's like, you should go leave. I don't love you. Get the fuck out of here. And then he, and then he's like guilt tripping her and says, but we'll never know, will we? Because you won't give me a second chance. And I was like, and it's like, it's like she fucking knows you're an asshole. Correct. Oh my God. I hated it so much. Yeah, I know. It's awful. Cause he keeps saying, I deserve a second chance. I deserve no, it. Don't. I know that I love you. And it's like, why then? Why did you sleep Sorry. with another woman for $50 in front of her? I'm yelling now. My wife had a headache, she had a migraine, and I actually aggravated her to the point because I was yelling at the TV. She was like, stop what you're doing, because I was so upset at the film. I was causing her headache to be worse. Further proving that your love hurts. <laughs> stop it, Bobby! But yeah, he goes, I think as in, he leaves, he goes to Doug's, and- They made another bet. And another bet, a, 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 bet, a bet on a $500 bottle of brandy that you'll come back to me asking for a job because I see that you're right? in love with that woman. That's why yep. I made you cheat on her, that's why I ruined your life and ruined hers, because I want a bottle of brandy. Right. And so he brings it to him, and it's this, like, crazy, rich, sophisticated, swanky bar. He's like, come on, we'll go drink this bottle of brandy in my yacht, and I'll leave my wife to, like, fuck everyone in here. It's Australian Coughlin! That's my accent. We gathered that. Stop that, please. <laughs> it's gonna be so hard to edit this. I'm gonna edit this, and I'm gonna listen to myself, and I'm gonna be so like, why am I like this? <laughs> <laughs> These are questions Tom Cruise should have been asking himself throughout the course of the movie. Correct. And so he says, I put all my money in soy, which is what Martin did in The Simpsons. Fuck, Simpsons. Soy, Simpsons. soy, soy. Simpsons reference. He said he gets a $100,000 allowance. Was that referenced earlier in the film? I don't know if it was allowance or it was that was the income of his business. He had a bar called um, His... Hysterionics? Hysteria. Hysterionics? Hysterical? TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays. Friday. 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 <laughs> you know, a bar called TGI Friday. <laughs> Jesus. This is, this is 
unerable. This is unerable. We have to finish quickly. <laughs> I'm so drunk. I, I gotta, I gotta ask about the bar though. Does the name of the bar count as spot the sexism? Because Coglin, who hates women, named a bar after an amulet that's specific, like that is not really a thing that specifically affected women. It does. It does. I'm gonna drink for the sexism then. Apparently, in this scene, which was was which was cut out, re-edited, it it is it turns out that in his drunken stupor, uh, Brian Brown. Doug Coughlin says to Tom Cruise, I made a pass at Elizabeth Shue, which is why Tom Cruise goes back and like almost sleeps with his wife. It's because he like tried to sleep with Elizabeth Shue. It's dumb as shit. It's it's stupid, and I, I hate the scene. And then he leaves and goes with the wife, and the wife is like, I need to talk to you. Can you come with me? I need to talk to you about Doug's problems. And I was like, a conversation they're going to hold in bed. And then she does try and fuck him. And yeah, that was a Simpsons reference. Right, we got a drink. I know. I thought, thank you. Um, I thought that was actually the one moment of, like, adultness, but it was just a sex reference. Like, I actually thought they were going to try and address people's problems, but they didn't. And then Tom Cruise, after driving home Brian's wife, goes back and finds Brian has killed himself with the glass from the bottle of the brandy. That was that was unreal. That I was like, wow, Tom Cruise, you killed this guy. Like, he slit his throat with a $500 bottle of brandy. But then Tom Cruise calls Brian his best friend because I guess Tom Cruise has no one else in his life because Brian is the worst person he knows. He was just working really hard to get his affections. He was so mean to him that he was just like, no, this is the guy. He's the only guy who doesn't just want to sleep with me. I, I found the perfect line in this film. Tom Cruise, when he goes back and he drops off uh, Brian's wife and he's he like kisses her and then he's going to leave. And she goes, why did you like come upstairs? And he says, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I said, Tom Cruise and the movie, because the movie doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. No. <laughs> Tom Cruise in this film doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. This movie doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. It doesn't have a point. It just goes on. Things happen, none of it matters, the end. That is the film. This movie also thinks it's really deep and poetic and meaningful, and it is none of those fucking things. It's not! Uh, uh, So Tom Cruise goes back to the um, penthouse suite of Elizabeth Shue, uh, and he decides that he's going to try and woo her back. Because everyone else in his life is dead. He's killed everyone or burned every bridge and he says the only thing I have left is Elizabeth Shue there's only one life left to destroy and I'm on my way and he goes look babe Elizabeth Shue uh, everyone I know is dead Um, I guess I'll be the dad to your unborn child and Elizabeth Shue in the dumbest stupidest thing she could possibly do decides, you know what, I'm going to take him back. It's it's stupid. It's like the ending of the movie is, is, but daddy, I love him. Yes, that's what it is. It's so fucking dumb. And then he, like, makes her, I assume, they just live in the apartment above the bar he buys when he opens Cocktails and Dreams. He gets, uh, he gets Pete to give him a loan, and he opens up a flare cocktail bar. It's just him spinning bottles with people being like, yeah, that's so good, and, like, nobody's drinking. And then he gets up and does another poem, and I'm like, no, don't go back to this. This poem was stupid and awful and we don't need more don't of them. Don't do the poems. Stop the poems. Oh, there's... Do you catch that fucking sexism? He's like, if if it's a son, I'll give him this bar. And if it's a woman, we're fucking shitting the bed because <laughs> yeah. ladies are terrible. That's what the fucking... That's what they say. It's, God okay, damn well, I've got a drink to that one. I'm trying to put the lid on the wrong bottle. I noticed Sean's no longer playing the drinking game and I think I'm okay with it. Why? 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 
What? You're barely alive. <laughs> yeah. But then the movie ends and he's like, I'm never going to let my daughter marry a man like me. And she's like, two, you have two children. And it's like, great. I'm ruining the lives of three people now. All right. I, I have. I've drank too much. Ranking. We have to do the ranking. What's the ranking? Sean, let's start with you, please. Can you say your ranking? Before I, I put the ranking in before I forgot so that I wouldn't have to. Where, where did I put it? Okay, the ranking of cocktail, I put just one above, don't look under the bed, one below, million dollar duck. Maybe better than most people, considering the Razzie nominations, I thought it was slightly better than that, but it's uh, not a good movie. Bob, what do you say? Bob is putting this at number 31 underneath the Shaggy DA and above the Even Stevens movie. Wow, that's bad. Fuck this goddamn movie. Uh, I really did not like it. Oh, fuck like, it. Fuck this movie. Uh, I am very similar. I actually put it lower than you, Bobby, uh, by one. So 31 is Oz the Great and Powerful. 32 is Blank Check. 33 is Cocktail. And 34 is Million Dollar Fuck This Movie. So it is wow. number 33. I, I, this is the funny thing is like he gets up on the bar and says his poetry. And my wife as a joke was like, Coyote Ugly. The next film the Disney Plus algorithm brought up for us to watch afterwards was Coyote Ugly. I know. Me too. <laughs> Just for fun. I, I, I've already written this down. So this doesn't count as looking it up. I was like, goddamn motherfucking Robbie's making us watch motherfucking G-Force next yes. week. And I have to watch a movie about CG hamsters. Yes, you do. The Rotten Tomatoes score for Cocktail is 9%. The Rotten Tomatoes score for G-Force, 22. <laughs> so I was at least pleased to know that G-Force is at least twice as good as this movie, apparently. I don't think that's true. I've watched them both so far, and I don't think that's true. I think, I think, I think Cocktail's better. We have to finish soon. What is the end of we're this done. movie? <laughs> the movie's done. It's so over. Drunk. Listen, we're going to stop recording, but if you have, like, a version of, like, the title that we were going to edit in or something? What's the thing that we do where you say the words? I, I, I got one. Coughlin's Law States. Tune in next week to the podcast where tennis shoes. Sean, in your drunkest voice possible, can you say it's called the the podcast wore tennis shoes and tune in next week to the podcast okay. wore tennis shoes. Okay. Hey, what's up? <laughs> it's called... <laughs> The podcast wore tennis shoes. <laughs> and, uh, next. <laughs> he fell off his chair! Holy fuck! <sighs> We're done. Uh, I'm back. It's called The Podcast with Tennis Shoes. And that's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks.